I think the development maybe maybe where um, I guess where this question leads the quarterback develop 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 quarterback all right so you said it development right now. <laughs> uh, my next question because this is uh you know you've taken this i appreciate you taking us through a lot of the techniques um this is mm-hmm. probably most technical we've gotten in any interview right um okay. and, yeah you know for those of uh people who will be listening to a real football head they're really going to appreciate um the uh in-depth detail in which you went into about play calling and fundamentals and, and things that you learned so you know kind of recapping here right you started your career at texas tech you know you learned some things under mike leach um you know you had a little bit more autonomy in that you went to junior college, you come to Auburn, right? Gus has got a, a different kind of focus in his coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you've been following the news around Auburn football, obviously, we have a new coach, right? Um, and his system is going to be a big change for a lot of fans, right? Um, he runs what's called a multiple offense, but there are a lot of pro-style concepts in what he does, right? Um, so uh, help us understand, because, again, you were patient zero for Gus, <laughs> You were, you know, you you were junior college transfer, but a mm-hmm. big a big thing for a lot of fans is is that they, they know every a lot of us notice the pattern. All the successful quarterbacks learned fundamentals somewhere else, and then mm-hmm. came into Auburn. So there was you, there was Cam Newton, there was Nick Marshall, there was Jarek Stidham. Every single one yep. of you went the junior college route and then came into Auburn. But we don't have any examples, kind of following up on Caesar's um, uh, uh, question, of a freshman QB coming into a gust system and finding success. Why do you mm-hmm. think that is? Ha-ha. <laughs> well, let's start that response by saying, well, at least two of those people, and this is not being disrespectful to Stedham because dude was a tremendous athlete and, and obviously he's still playing in the NFL. Um, but Cam Newton is not a normal human being, and <laughs> nor nor is Nick Marshall. Right. I mean, that's just honest truth. Like I, I remember the first time I saw Cam Newton, Gus actually he he called me. He was like, "Hey man, I got this guy that we're recruiting. I need you to come help me." And that's all he told me. And I walked in, and there's this freaking giant like standing in this office. Um, and when you like, I don't know what he's listed as six, you know, a high six five, six six or something, but the kid looks six eight. I mean, and his calves are like look like my thighs. They're just ridiculous. And I, I've heard stories of him running drills where, uh, like, like uh, conditioning drills. Like I had when I did conditioning with Coach Yox, like he made me run with the DBs and receivers, which was stupid because like I don't run with DBs and receivers. Um, I weighed I weighed everybody about thirty pounds and. I could be I could be up there in the line for about three reps, and then I was just slowly backing off. But I, like they said, Newton would just at two hundred and fifty pounds, whatever he was. Like they said, he was just he ran like a deer, and he was up front all the time. I mean, he was just a freak, just absolutely a freak. And that they even told me, um, but you all the Big Ben drill, like yeah. where so it's the hell Mary thing you do within the practice. Like oh, let's practice this for whenever it happens in the game, um, like Doug Flutie style. They said. One practice, I think it was Barrett Trotter called me and told me, he's like, yeah, so we just did Big Ben drill. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's like, we did it from the 30. <laughs> I was like, what? what? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't even know if that, like, <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it, he was an absolute freak. And then Nick Marshall, on the other hand, um, huh, he, well, uh, first of all, people that play corner don't switch and play quarterback. Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah, ever. fair enough. Right. Ever. Right. So, so when I say those two people weren't normal human beings, that is where. Um, now, that is not discounting what Gus was able to do with them because I think he did do a good job with, with Cam. Um, I think he did a good job of changing the offense from when I was there to when he came, of making it more QB run dominant, you know, running the QB powers and uh, the inside zone and, uh, you know, letting him use his skill set. So I thought he did a good good of that adjustment and I think they utilized Nick Marshall well in that aspect too because his genius was that uh, that inside zone I mean I've heard you know usually you have one one guy that's the key on inside zone you're not you're not you're not blocking the back set end you know if he stays square you hand it off if he turns his shoulder and tries to collapse on the running back then you're keeping around the end well I, they told me stories where they would have the the, the indicator to, to pull it and then they would wrap the, the 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 backer around and get him. And they said that he could literally read both guys at the same time. I don't know how he did it, but apparently he did. So, you know, like I said, those those aren't normal people. Uh, which a lot of those guys at that level aren't normal people. They're like not normal people. They're not normal, or they're not connected with the people that are way above the others. I don't know. They're just they're crazy. They do crazy stuff. And Gus, I think Gus did a good job of utilizing their skill set. Uh, he did, you know, Stidham, I think, was impressive. Uh, now, to go, to circle all the way back around, I apologize for that little rant, but um, to circle all the way back around, is it, you can tell me if this is correct, is it possible or why, has there, has it, can a guy come in as a freshman and then develop and become like that because all the people that appear to have been successful within his offense transferred in? Am I on point there? Okay. Um, Some of that is, I think some of it is coincidental because, you know, the guys that they went out and got pretty good. Um, so it's, it's, you know, whenever they've gone out and got, they've been successful with that person. So maybe they did develop with somebody else, um, but they used them in the right way. I, if I was going to just, just be as transparent as possible, like what do I think as far as, Development with a QB, what is lacking with someone that's in Gus's system? Or at least, how about I say this, what is different from the development or what I could see on a field on a daily basis when I watch somebody that's in that offense as compared to somebody that's in the air raid? And I would say it, it, it mostly lies within the post number one read. And so after the first read is where it changes. And why I say that is the way the way Gus's Malzahn is the way Malzahn's system is set up is um, you, you know you're, you're running the ball and then you're doing a play action and you're trying to stick stick a throw in and it, it is it's important that you get the right play calls in there when you're doing that especially if you don't have you know progressions all the way across the field. And so there's a lot of emphasis when I said timing, he spends a ton of time on timing routes. And so you get really good that is that you get really good at that on in his system is is 
working your way into that first play. But when that breaks down, that's where all of the, what we talked about before, footwork, 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 moving in the pocket, moving here, buying time, um, sliding up, sliding around, um, moving to progression two, moving to progression three, moving to progression four, or moving to progression five. I, that to me is the biggest difference. His big focus is the first read and getting into that. And then I think the, the focus on some of those other systems are kind of the whole thing, like prepping you to be throughout the whole play. Um, and, and But I would say with slightly less emphasis on the first read. Does that make sense? Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. You can support us by visiting our merchandise store. You can find links to the merchandise store on Facebook and the About section on our YouTube channel. If you would like access to more premium content, visit us on YouTube and click join to become an insider. War Eagle, and now back to more of the show. So, Chris, as Mike mentioned, uh, we have a new coach on the Plains in Brian Harson. And if you've been paying attention for the past two years, our starting quarterback has been Bo Nix. And he came in, heralded out of high school, five-star QB, big things was expected out of him. A lot of hype, a lot of fuss was made about the kid. And we saw his struggles in 2019, understandably so. It's tough to transition as a true freshman. But a lot of his struggles continued on throughout the 2020 season. So you work with kids in order to improve their game as a QB. What were some of the things that you saw that plagued Bo that that caused him not to get better as a QB in year two? And what do you think, second part, is what can Brian Harson do to actually help develop Bo Nix and improve some of the issues he's had? So to, to run this question back, I think it's just looking at Bo. First of all, he's very talented. I mean, he's got... Uh, he runs the ball very well. He's got tremendous arm talent. Uh, like, yeah, so so the ceiling is very high for him. Uh, one of the first things that I heard about Bo Nix before he came was someone said that he did not get sacked his entire senior year. And I was like, what? Like, that's really? impossible. Yeah, so I was trying to, yeah, and, and I didn't double check that, but I heard it from, I heard it multiple times. And... I, I was just like, how does how does somebody do that? I was like, well, my first thought was like, man, he must have had an incredible offensive line. And then when I started watching him play, and then I went back to think about that, from his style, you can tell a little more of why he didn't get sacked. First of all, he's, he is very athletic. And at the high school level, he would he he's, he's would have been capable of outrunning most players that he's up against. Right. And so – to not get sacked for an entire season, I mean, there's just way too many things that happen when you're staying in the pocket um, and waiting for progressions or routes to open up. I mean, it's just stuff does, you're going to get sacked. So to not get sacked ever, that tells me he was getting out of the pocket early and buying time. And I'm sure he was very successful in that. And I don't know if I was his coach in high school, if I would have had a huge problem with it. Um, you know, if he's completing passes and gaining yards and winning games. Um but then when you get to the college game, you know, there's just there's too many guys that can run and too many guys that can chase you down, can run you out of bounds to force you to throw the ball away. And I think really when you see Bo, especially like when he came in, you know, he was he had that same style of getting out of the pocket early. And so, it, you know, it, and, and when I say early, 
you know, every we, I've practiced tons and tons of escape drills where you know you get a rusher and you dip underneath to get out, or you got somebody up the middle, you you know you reverse out and bail out of the pocket and do scramble drill. So I've done all that, but I think to to not get sacked for an entire year that tells me you're you're doing it earlier than that with the athleticism, and so he's being cautious and. And just continued to make plays, and so he kept doing it. And then, you know, when he started with, I think, Oregon in 19 and, and, and moved forward, I saw some of that still. It was just, you know, getting out too early, not staying in the pocket. And, um, yeah, I, I think I think that's really just what he um, maintained was that that style. And I think the biggest thing that I saw was just it's just taking a little while to, to get him out of that. And I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's uh, – was was coaching? I don't know if that was Gus. Right. So that that that's that's a good question. But that to me was one of the biggest things. Now, looking at him now, like he's gotten better at that. So he has improved from year one to year two at just bailing out of the pocket. I think now his biggest thing, and, and honestly, I think is a pretty simple fix. Um, and I'm not saying that like arrogantly. It's just. I, I like to take something like like I was saying earlier uh, with Coach Leach. You know, he would take complex stuff and try to make it simple. I think that's easier for everybody to understand, and and it and it really creates for a much easier fix when you can simplify it into a picture or you know something easy to see and remember and understand. Uh, when we talked about directional momentum earlier, when uh, uh, Caesar, you brought up accuracy with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why is a kid missing right? Why is a kid missing left? You know. You, you know, is he falling out? Is he doing this way? Is, you know, is you know, the shoulder this, shoulder that? You know, some of those getting that directional momentum to where you stick the toe on the ground and it's going straight at where you're throwing the football. That to me is what Bo's biggest issue is. Um, just because he does, um, you know, he does have great feet and athleticism and, and he can move around, he can buy time. But the times where he's inaccurate or he's missing, is when you know he's backing out of the pocket and he's falling off or he's throwing a pass or um, you know not stepping into it and driving because I'll tell you when he steps into it and drives him like he can throw the ball as well as I would say most people in the country. I mean he can absolutely rip it and I've watched him throw. I've watched him in practice where he you know he's taking a, the, the same drop several times in a row and and man it looks good and his feet are the same every time and he sticks his toe in the ground and he lets it rip and he is accurate. And so it's it's really the biggest thing to me is being him being able to do that again. Okay, so Chris, I'm not sure we agree on Bo getting better from year one to year two, but I do want to ask you a question uh, about uh, uh, coaching and coachability, right? Um, again, Gus is gone, right? And right now there are two factions in the fan base, right? There are those who think that Gus got a raw deal. On a, in a year where COVID wrecked football. And yeah. there are those that th- think that Gus had eight years, right? We have one SEC championship and we have a quarterback who, depending on which side you're standing on, arguably did not get better in his second year. So, you know, uh, Bo was 57% in high school, right? Um, and he is 58% average over his two years at Auburn. Um, and the question I want to ask you is about coaching and coachability, right? If uh, you believe the faction that, that that thinks that Gus had eight years, they'll tell you that he can't coach a quarterback, right? And if you believe the faction uh, that, you know, uh, that's on the other end, 
right, that thinks that Gus maybe got a raw deal, a lot of those people think that Bo may not be coaching. So I'm glad we have you here as a Gus Maldon product to tell us which is which, right? Do you think that it is more that, you know, that, that Bo may not be taking coaching or was he not being coached? Because a lot of what I hear, again, our ears are to the ground, right? We listen to fans every day. And most of their opinions are completely off base and uneducated, which is why we have you here today to help educate everybody. But they, the, the, a lot of them think, you know, he needs a better coach. And I'll tell you, um, I'm not a Gus apologist, but I have a hard time believing that they weren't co- coaching fundamentals. Some, a lot of the stuff that you were talking about, put your foot in the ground, drive the ball through it to your point. When he does set his feet, he can deliver a beautiful ball. But when a kid is not consistently setting his feet when he's not under pressure, like what is that? Like wh- where does that come from and how do you fix that? Oh, good question. Um, make sure we, I, I answer all those parts. Uh, yeah, to go back to, to you were talking about us disagreeing, and maybe we do, and that's fine. Um, what I think he specifically improved on from year one to year two was his getting out of the pocket way too early. I'm not saying that he doesn't do it anymore, but I'm saying it's not as extreme. Um, I'm not saying that the process shouldn't be faster. I'm not saying that he couldn't be wherever based off of his ability. Um, th- th- yeah. So from year one to year two, him getting out of pocket has gotten better. Uh, but like with direct momentum, stepping in the target, like some of those things are, are still there. Uh, yes. So um, is is uh, is Bo coachable? Well, from from the people I, I've talked to Bo a couple times, uh, and I, being him being coachable or not, like I wouldn't know personally. From the coaches that I've talked to, the coach Bo, I know when he got in there, they they immediately said he had a high football IQ. Right. Um, you know, with his with his dad and and what he's been around with football, I would expect that he is. Uh, I'm not. I'm and I'm not saying that the coaches weren't coaching him or whatever. I would just like. From everything I've heard about Bo, I would say he is coaching. Uh, now there could be something I'm not aware of, but but that's that that's my guess there. Now that gives us hope as a fan base, right? Because that means yeah. that Harson may be able to do something with Bo, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and we're hoping that some of the fundamental things that you're saying that you see can actually be fixed in year three, right? Um, my follow up question is is how common is it for the light to turn on for a QB in year three, right? So this we've seen two years of this experiment, right? And um, generally what we see is is that uh, accuracy that, you know, a, a quarterback has in high school, you know, somewhat carries over to college, right? Um, I'm not sure we have a ton of examples of, uh, of QBs who were inaccurate in high school becoming super accurate in college. Right. So like what are the chances is that a new coach can turn the light on for Bo in year three? Huh. Um, so I would say the the progression in college is, is usually over time. Like it's not like I have seen with players where they come in and like a light, like you said, a light turns on. Uh, a, per, a good example of that was Darvin Adams in 09. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. Like I, I remember throwing with him in the summer and you know, he started putting extra work in and then something something clicked in that dude's brain and he just turned into a different player. Just completely different. Uh, confidence was through the roof. 
uh, route running was was phenomenal, and and just stuff clicked with them. And I've seen that with other players too. It's so that that is possible. I, you know, I'm looking at my own progression. You know, when I when I stepped on the field at Texas Tech and did seven on seven, which I did the first day I got down there. I mean, like I was kind of like, whoa, this game is a little different. And so I had to start making changes like right off the bat. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I had a I had a big arm in high school, which and I did while I was at Tech too. And so I had just traditionally been able to wait pretty late to throw a ball and just rope one in there. Um, and I realized I couldn't do that anymore because the, the defenders were a lot faster. I remember, you know, I used to throw all these deep posts and, you know, throw them, you know, 50 yards down the field and, you know, put a ton of air on them and let them run underneath. Well, you know, all of a sudden the back set safety is coming off on it. And and so those you start making those adjustments over time. And so I think typically, especially with a quarterback, that progression kind of happens uh, throughout your career. Now, I'm not saying that. Uh, the confidence won't click with Bo. I, I, I think I think Bo seems to be pretty confident. Um, I, I don't think he appears to have a lack lack of it. No, not, um, not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the, at the end of the day, the question is: Hey, can is, is Bo going to become the player that we think he's going to be? Like, is is it going to click next year with a different coach? I mean, the problems that I see with Bo aren't that big. They just they just aren't. They're now. If you looked at, you know, 20 different plays, it might look 20 different ways, but it comes down to the same problem at the end of the day. And it's the same stuff we're talking about. Just when he's throwing the football, like, is he getting to where he's throwing it? Because, I mean, just some plays are popping in my head from from the past season. And, um, like, I remember, like, a, a will, throwing a, a wheel route to the end zone and, and throwing it over a guy's head or, or just those type of passes is what people talk about. Like, hey, those misses, like, that didn't really make sense. And usually, if you'll go back and watch the film or just see what he's doing, it's usually a balanced thing. Like, he's, you know, he's falling off this way. He's kind of doing this. Um, uh, he's just, he's not, he's not making the same throw we're talking about all the time. So, like, if I, if I was personally working with him, I mean, that's the first thing we're doing. We're just, I, was like, I would, I would say, Bo, we're going to make the same throw all the time. Like, that's, at the end of the day, this is what we want to do. We're going to be moving in the pocket. Um, and like, I, I, like I, for example, I have kids that um, have this starting position. And this is actually something that that, that Gus used with his. Uh, some, he used some of this with his first progression, sticking the, you know, getting one, two, three, and then throwing the ball. Well, I have I have kids when they start their warm up. They start with uh, you know a foot on on a line. I, I talk about baseball. I talk about the mound. Like if you're digging in the rubber, where's your weight going to be? And they talk about, okay, it's right here on the inside of my right foot. I want you pushing that way. Sometimes we'll pull out a boxing glove and I'll show them punching. Like I want your 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 momentum going this way. Uh, and then we throw. And then like it, it, once you kind of create that foundation, it starts getting pretty easy to make changes because, you know, if they're missing this way or this way, you're just changing the shoulder. I need you to drive here. Um, you know, if you're missing this way or this way, it's just a little foot change or, or, or how they're pushing off. And so, that's what I would tell Bo. I was like, Bo, this is this is this is how we're gonna. Or I would say, hey, this is how we're gonna stand. Or, or how do you want to stand? How do you feel most comfortable if you're gonna throw a fastball at 20 yards and you want to complete 20 out of 20? He's like, oh, I'm good here. This is what I do. I was like, okay, we're gonna do this every single time, and just get great at doing this. And so when he when he when that's ingrained in his brain, you know, whether I'm moving around the pocket where I got a slide, whether a free rusher comes in, at the end of the day, wherever I'm moving. I'm gonna get stick that toe in the ground. I'm gonna find, or I'm gonna find my target. I'm gonna stick my back toe in the ground, and I'm gonna drive straight at that target. And to me, that fixes 
most of his accurate issues. Like, like his throwing motion is is pretty good. Like I wouldn't mess with that because he throws, he spins the ball well. Um, his feet are phenomenal. Like I didn't know how good they were. I actually had one of my quarterbacks watch him because I was doing run game with him. And man, his feet are so quick. Like he just like he's explosive. His hits are so good. They're getting turned. Like man, his skill set is high and it's it's really good. And so. Honestly, that that to me is what I would focus on with him, and I think it's something that's very doable. So, Chris, uh, I can't let you off the hook here, right? Because what you just told us is is that um, you see a lot of things that are fixable. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask you, <laughs> I see where you're going, <laughs> and I'm gonna see if you're gonna play dodgeball with me like, <laughs> one more time. You know, so if if the things that you see are fixable. Do you and a kid is not progressing? Do you think that is more about the coach or the coach? <laughs> is your seat hot yet, or or is it? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> to, I mean, uh, this, is all, this is what we're trying to learn as fans, right? We're just trying to understand. Yeah. Like, what do we do? Um. So. Oh. Because it feels like Gus got fired. Because they thought it was more coach than player, right? Yeah. So, I mean, to to, to be honest, like I'm watching it, and, and I'm with you with the, the quarterback development as far as is Bo's skill set and where he should and could be. Um, I don't know why it's not there because I'm looking at it, and, and like I said, I've had exposure to a lot to, to different coaches and different systems and a, and a wealth of knowledge of quarterback stuff, and so. You know, maybe my perspective is different, but I, I don't know why that wasn't addressed. Because, like, if, I mean, if I was a coach with that system, like, I would have addressed it. And I don't know why they didn't. So, I I, I mean, that's the best answer I could give there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. Because, it, because I, I do think it's fixable. Uh, you know, it's possible that, that you know, some things happen under the lights and people change. But, but a lot of that stuff is... You know, you're 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 repping it so much in practice that it kind of becomes your natural reaction to uh, to how the the game's playing out. You know, if you get a rusher, you've done it, you know, a two thousand times. Hey, I know I'm stepping here, step back in the pocket, I'm making this throw. Um, you know, if I get, you know, if I get a guy, you know, coming from the right side, and you know, an end coming, he beats it. I know that I've ripped into the other ear to secure the ball, and I'm stepping back up. And I'm getting my feet out again. I'm going to stick my toe on the ground and throw. So, like, to me, like, I've done that for so long. I've been doing it since I was in high school. And I did it when I was at Tech. And I did it when I was at Auburn. Like, that stuff is just in my ingrained in my brain. Like, I've just, I, I've done it myself thousands and thousands of times. And I've, I've coached kids to do it tons and tons of times. So, I, I don't know if my perspective, it just seems like more part of the, the, like the everyday thing that you do, I don't, I don't know what wasn't addressed. I really, I, I'm, I'm kind of puzzled there too. Is that, is that, is that? I feel like that's pretty honest. I mean, is, yeah, that, is that what you're looking for? Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Yeah, I mean, that answer answering it directly. You didn't throw anybody under the bus, but it answers it, right? Uh, okay. Uh, so the, the 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 question the question or that that issue should have been addressed, and I think it, I think it would have made a difference in Bo's play. Like I think his actually would have improved. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, it might have been a deal where, because really the way the way the the way that practice schedule is set up, because that's something that a lot of people don't look at, is how a practice is set up. 
Um, with with the system at Tech, or, or really with the Air Raid, because it was really big in Kentucky. We did in high school. That was a big change we did from my sophomore to junior year in high school was a practice schedule. And during that time, is being super efficient when, when you're moving around and not wasting a lot of time of talking too much and everybody's standing still. But having specific times, you do specific drills and making sure you get it in every day. Um, now, Gus has a he has a very strict schedule too during practice. Um, but that incorporates a lot of, you know, your warm up, your stuff with the the, the 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 center and the running backs, and then, you know, you're doing you're going through a, a you know kind of a throwing process, throwing to the left, right, and center with with other quarterbacks. So you know, whether there's six guys, you've got your partner, and you're throwing here, you're throwing here, you're throwing there, and then it starts going into you know I'm throwing, you, you know, you're bringing over the H's and you're throwing routes with the H's, and you're coming over to the you know the the, the the outside receivers are coming over and you're throwing stuff with them. You know, the, whether it's the twos or the fives or, or Zs and Xs is what most people call them. You're, and then you're throwing routes with them. And so, like, it was very process-oriented with, with Gus's stuff, and I thought he did a good job with that. The part that um, some of the footwork stuff, there, there was not as much of that. Like like we said before, the when you look at a, at a at an air raid practice schedule and the way they did it, like say at Kentucky, there was tons and tons of footwork. Whether you're doing bag drills and you're, you know you're doing slides here, slides there, you know you have a, you're practicing with the rusher coming up, you know come off the edge, you dip underneath, you know you put two quarterbacks out there and you know one flashes their hands, you're doing this, uh, you know you're doing drills where you put cones out, you're moving in the pocket, you're having to step up, step over. If you're free rusher, you you know you elude the rusher. You get back in the pocket. So like, Gus did more of the one-on-one throws with the, those timing routes during practice, and I and I think that was good. The other offenses do more, at least the offenses I've been a part of, do more of the the quarterback specific footwork and fundamentals. And so I think that is where some of that difference comes out. Thank you for listening to the War Report Podcast. As we continue to grow, we're asking our community for help. So if you would like to support us, please visit the About section on our YouTube channel. You can also find the link on our Facebook page. We appreciate your support and War Eagle. Okay, Chris, you got to help me out. You're, 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 you're the expert here, of course, right? Clearly. Okay. You mentioned that that the issues you see with Bo are fixable, right? Mm-hmm. Here's something that I have personally complained about with Bo mm-hmm. is that it seemed to me at times that Bo Nix was more afraid to take a sack or get to get hit than he was to throw an interception, right? And there were times where he would refuse to stay in the pocket and then escape out of the pocket and get in trouble by throwing downfield or making a throw that, that he shouldn't make. Now, when you talk about planting your feet and throwing into your target and staying in the pocket, there will come a day where you're going to have to step into a linebacker charging at you and you're going to have to take a hit. If Bo hasn't gotten acclimated to doing that, how do a coach, Brian Harson, Mike Bobo, or if it was you in that situation, how do you get a coach, uh, a, a QB who has relied heavily on his athleticism to avoid those type of hits? 
to reconcile that I have to stay in this pocket to make a throw, even if I'm sacrificing my body. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a great, great, great point. So I, that's just something you got to incorporate into practice. I mean, that, that's whether a kid's struggling with that or not, it's just something you have to do because it's not necessarily natural. Like, it's not a natural human thing to be able <laughs> to be able to have a 280, you know, a 6'5, 280 pound guy that could, you know, run come to, coming directly at you. You're not going to look at him and then you're not going to flinch before he like crashes into you. Like that's crazy. Right. Like every right. every natural reaction is like you're gonna jerk, you're gonna look right at him, you're gonna go to a flight response. Like like all of those things should be triggered. And so to get that to to develop to a point to where it's you're not being triggered by all those things because you know you see tons of quarterbacks that aren't comfortable in that situation. Fair enough. Like it's not a comfortable right. place to be. Like right. it's it's very very chaotic. And there are big, nasty dudes trying to do nasty things to you. Like, they're just trying to hurt you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is not just when they hit you. When they get you on the ground, like, they're trying to hurt you. So, it's just – it's yeah. it's not a natural thing to, to be calm there. So, my opinion, you have to practice it. And so, you know, Leach um, – I'll, I'll approach this a couple different – several different ways. But, but just from a – the closest thing you can be to like a live situation, like Mike Leach, for example, um, you know, people at Auburn talk about me, like not being a runner, like, you know, Cody was a runner and then you have other guys that were a runner. Well, I used to run the ball a decent amount of practice when I got to tech and he hated it. Like he absolutely hated it. He wanted me, he wanted me to throw the ball and get it to the athletes. And, and to his point, we had great athletes. Um, and so, like, when I was running, like, sometimes, like, we would, the, the line would come up. And, like, I remember one play in particular when I was in Lubbock. And, and like, we're on that left practice field. And we're doing, like, a, some drill. But, anyways, the, the line comes around. And this, like, the red seat parks in the middle. So, I'm like, hell, like, I just, you know, I take off and, and you know, get pick up, like, 20 yards in practice. And he did, he, he hated it. Like, he was like, I don't want you doing this. So, um, he really wanted so um, to get back to the point. So he wanted you staying in the pocket, and he wanted you find a receiver. And his thing was he wanted you going through those repetitions all the time, make the passes, go through progression, stay in the pocket. You know, go one, go two, go three, go four, go five, make the adjustments you got to make, that type of thing. And and going back to being comfortable in the pocket with that, what they would do is they never wanted you to touch the quarterback's arm because that that is fairly dangerous. Like if you got a guy that's vitally important to your team, you don't want people on a daily basis grabbing their arm and. And, and, and creating, a, creating an unnecessary injury. But what they would have them do is you can slap the guy. So something else that's unnatural is like when you're out there looking here and somebody's slapping you in the gut or they're popping you here or they're tapping you when you go by. Like you on a daily basis, you start getting that timing mechanism in your brain, like that, that counting, like, boom, this is how much time I have. And so like you kind of you start to get the feel of I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got to get it out. I'm good. I'm good. I got to get it out. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I so that is very important to get that timing down in your brain. But what it also does is it, like you're getting slapped, but you're having to constantly move to try to not get that. It's like you kind of know, okay, this guy's coming in. I got to step here. I got to step there. And you can watch film too. Okay. This guy would have gotten a sack on me. So I need to slide here. I need to do this. Um, so that that's a that's a very that's as close to like kind of a live drill that you can do without actually hitting the quarterback. That's something you can do on a daily basis. Uh, some people go out there with dummies. Um, you know, I've done a lot of drills. I think we talked about this one earlier, where you know 
no, the team's off doing something else. Like they're off doing position stuff. Your quarterback. So I'm standing here as a quarterback, and I take a drop. I have two guys standing as defensive ends, and they come, and we see them as a free rusher. So boom, he comes as a free rusher. I move the ball to protect it, keep it away from him, and then I dip, and then I practice my escape drill. So you know that's something you do all the time. Uh, another one, like we talked about, you're doing you know directional stuff, so you're moving, so you're getting really comfortable with moving in the pocket. Um, and then, like I said, in going back, you can incorporate while you're doing the, these slaps and uh, the pokes and uh, getting bumped. And so I think I think all of these come together to make someone more and more and more comfortable. I, I think it's still possible that someone's not comfortable, but at least that for me, like that that I was I always kind of looked forward to to that first shot of the season, like when I just got popped, and poof, and like I knew after that my pain tolerance was, would adjust quickly and I would be good. I could take my shots. I knew I was going to take them, but I was fine with that, and I would stay in the pocket. I would make, I would buy as much time as I could. And then when I took shots, I took shots. So, Chris, uh, we had a former Auburn great uh, come on, uh, Courtney Taylor, uh, great receiver for us, uh, you know, from uh, 2003 to 2006. You know, and a lot of what he said, I hear you saying about reps. He talked about it from a receiver perspective, but he said, Mike, it's it's reps, it's muscle memory. You got to get out there and you got to do it and you do it and you do it until your body just reacts when you're under stress and you know what to do because mm-hmm. you've corrupted a thousand mm-hmm. times in practice. Um, you know, and talking to you, I can tell you that uh, you sound like you'd make a, you're, you like, sounds like you make a great coach, honestly. I'm not, Thank I, you. I, I think all of them should give you a call if they, if they need some more. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, you can sign a petition or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, so I want you to tell me now, Coach Harson is coming in, right? The guy mm-hmm. who recruited you, everybody who had a hand in recruiting you was gone. If you're bonus, and uh, there is a talented freshman that's coming in in the spring with like a 72 percent completion percentage, right? Um, if you're bonus, what are you doing? on your own to get those reps to make sure that you maintain the starting job going into the season like what what how does how does a guy in Bo Nix's situation keep his grip on the starting job and what work is he putting in on his own to get better I mean you better be doing a lot every year uh summer is a, is a big time for you to be doing a lot of individual work spring is a, is a period where you're kind of a part of the team and those are huge huge reps but they're kind of more directed by the coaches. You know, the summer, the seven-on-sevens, like, that's a lot of work that you had to do. Um, like, when I was at, at Tech, uh, I know, like, we had a, Fulani and Hicks, which are two of our receivers, Danny Amendola, who I think he's still, he's still in the NFL. Uh, Crabtree would come out with this. Like, we would throw almost daily. Like, well, we would throw every – we would do seven-on-seven seven every day in the summer, and then we would, we would do individual stuff. Um, on those extra days in the summer. So we were throwing all the time. And like I had to do that just to do as much as the guy I was competing against. So it just, it depends on, on who you're competing against, how much you have to do. Uh, a, a thing that I heard when I was coming out of high school that was kind of right up this alley and valuable information, I took when I took my visit to Oklahoma, that was one of the, the last schools that, that I was looking at going to. I went to, on my visit, I went, I went to out to eat with, with Jason White. I don't know if you remember Jason White. He won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Say what? 2003 Heisman winner. Exactly, oh, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah um, I, first of all, I was pumped to hang out with Jason White because I mean, it was just uh, 
you know, his story was cool. And you know, I got to hear about his sister, a very talented family and, and all the stuff that he went through. But um, one of the things he said, he's like, man, they're going to try to replace you every year. He's like, I just won the Heisman Trophy. If I was coming back, like I would expect them to bring somebody in to beat me out. Oh, wow. I was like, so you're telling me you win a Heisman Trophy and you have to worry about your job? And that's what he said. He's like, they're trying to bring somebody in that's better than you every year. So, I mean, that's that's literally the case. I mean, when I was at Auburn uh, or at Tech, I mean, when I got there, uh, like I wasn't, I ended up being third on the depth chart my f- true freshman year, but there were several guys I had to beat out and guys that were very talented in high school. I mean, big arms, thrown for a ton of yards. So I had to beat out some guys then. Um, so like you're fighting even if you're not the guy. And then, you know, when I was at, uh, you know, when I was at Auburn, it's like, the guys, the guys we had, we had Neil Cottle. I mean, Neil Cottle was a leader. He was an elite eleven quarterback. Um, we had two other guys were, uh, I mean, were Gatorade players of the year in their state. Um, uh, was Barrett Cody Trotter could have win. He was. He was. Yeah. Okay. Barrett Trotter and Cody. Yeah. Okay. Now Barrett could spin it. Um, he could, and and he was very good fundamentally as quarterback too. Uh, he, he was honestly one of the ones I was worried about most when I was having to make my comeback in '09. Um, he was just a very well polished quarterback, and you know his career could have went several different ways. But I was I was always impressed with with his ability to throw the football. But yeah, I mean, just everybody's good. So so, what does Bo do with a young guy coming in? Well, I'd say he's got a new coaching staff, and they're going to take a good hot look at this new kid, and so. You know, most kids are not ready when they're when they're true freshmen. Uh, they're just not, especially if you have a a good upperclassman. Um, so, I mean, I would say he's he's got to be on top of his game, and he needs to keep improving. And then, like my thing was, like I was going to do as much as I knew to do to continue to get better. But then, if I ever saw someone else putting in extra work or doing something that I wasn't, I made sure I started doing that at least as much as they were. He needs to do that. So, Chris, listen, uh, you know, uh, we're so happy that you came to talk to us today. And, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned that you're working with kids now. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're uh, doing with kids now and and preparing them uh, to play football at the next level? Yeah, so, you know, I've done... I, I've done some coaching when I got out. Like I did several years of high school coaching. My my dad was a longtime coach. I did some work with my brother when he was coming up. I actually did a did a year at UMass uh, working with quarterbacks up there. Um, yeah, sold explosives. I uh, worked in the finance business for the longest period of time, which was what my first degree was in. Uh, since then, um, you know, finance was. There were, there were a lot of good things there, but like I was just looking to do something else. I've, I've, I went back to school. I got spent two years getting a second degree in psychology, which I absolutely love um, for many reasons. Both my parents were science teachers and I was like my kind of my best subject in school uh, was with was mathematics. And so I was always a math and science person. And then, you know, you kind of have psychology in there somewhere. But about four or five years ago, I got into that and just absolutely fell in love with it. And so you talk about teaching kids I mean, the psychology thing has been huge is just figuring out my, you know, figuring out my, myself, but being able to relate to other people, being able to relate information or relay information to, to players that I'm working with. And then ultimately I, I wanted to use it too to, to better understand the world, but better understand how I fit in. Like, how do I want to give back? How do I want to be a part? Um, 
you know, what makes me feel proud at, at the end of the day? Uh, what gives me purpose? You know, what what are what goals make me happy? That type of thing. And 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 one of them is like I, I don't I didn't want to give up football completely. Like it just it gave me so much. And, and parts of it I can replace with other things. Like golf is something that I do all the time. And um, I've you know been single digit for a little while, so I really enjoy golf. But uh, if we if we ever, you know if y'all want to play golf, we can go and I'll I'll run yeah. my mouth. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but but yeah, like I, I don't know. Football is one of those things. So working with kids is it's 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 been a way for me to connect, give back to the game. Um, but then the, the psychology stuff, like the application of it, is huge. You know, we talk about um, you know we've talked about our quarterbacks at Auburn. We talked about Bo. Uh, you know, it's so surprising when you come across a kid and you know you so are so many coaches. They have methods they use while they're coaching, and they'll tell a kid something, and it, and it won't click with the kid. Uh, but the coach uses that same technique to talk to them several times. And sometimes you can do it six different ways and it won't click until that last way you try it. And so the psychology has been big with, uh, you know, helping me to, to first understand them, how to relay information, um, how to how to take complex information and simplify it. And I, I don't know. So like like I said, it's it's been very interesting for me there. It's been a great application for, for my second degree. I, I'm going to move forward probably and get a, a, a master's in sports psychology. So I'll be able to use that there. Um, and then, you know, after the, when the COVID stuff kind of slows down, what I'm wanting to do moving forward is uh, I'm going to do some stuff here in Kentucky because it's really the, the facilities and the access to to good training now, which is kind of where the where I think the um, football world is going. It, it's is limited like it's limited in kentucky uh and honestly it's limited in alabama which is surprising when i was down in auburn there were kids that were driving you know two hours to go to birmingham to try to work with somebody um and so so moving forward like i've worked with some kids in alabama but i want to build that up and do it more uh like i said that that's something that gives me purpose that, that allows me to give back to the game uh, allows me to use my skill set that I've, I've put together over over years and and something I'll be excited to get up and do every day. So that's, uh, you know, something I want to be a part of my life for a while. Well, Chris, again, we really appreciate you joining us today. Um, as always, we are The War Report. Please click like and subscribe on YouTube. We are working hard to bring you more interviews like this, more education, more insider access. We are The War Report on Twitter and Instagram, TW Report on TikTok. Gentlemen, we're signing off. And as always, War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle.